It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Xiang Chang has supported independent tech news directly for about a day. Why not be like Chang and become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, May 29th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And from parts in L.A. County, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Uh, we are going to look at some of the crazy form factors coming to laptops, uh, as inspired by some announcements, particularly one from Intel at Computex, which is happening in Taiwan. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Huawei has filed a motion for summary judgment in its lawsuit that seeks to declare that the 2019 National Defense Authorization Act uh, is unconstitutional and that act was passed last summer and prevents federal agencies and their contractors from using Huawei equipment. This is an older and separate act from more recent restrictions enacted by the president, Huawei's chief legal officer, Song Liping, on Wednesday said that the company was reviewing ways to fight the other U.S. trade restrictions. Uber announced that riders in Canada and the U.S. may risk being deactivated from the service if their rider ratings fall significantly and chances to improve ratings. Oh, sorry, below their city's average, rather. Riders will receive several notifications and chances to improve their ratings before being deactivated. Might say terminated. Anyway, Uber will offer tips to riders encouraging polite behavior and cleanliness. Short version, don't poop in your Uber. (laughs) It's a true story. Uh, Taiwan's MediaTek announced a 5G-compatible 7-nanometer system on a chip meant for lower-end devices. Uh, The integrated 5G SOC combines MediaTek's M70 5G modem with ARM's Cortex-A77 CPU and the Mali-G77 GPU. Nokia, uh, or or really the, the folks that make the handsets for Nokia under the brand, and Oppo handsets often use the MediaTek chips. Uh, these aren't necessarily competitive with Qualcomm, but they are other 5G chips out there. The first products with the chips in them are expected at the beginning of 2020. All right, let's talk about a uh, non-laptop uh, tool being showed off at Computex, Scott. 
Well, let's talk about Logitech, an old brand we all know and love and refuse to call Logi. Uh, they have a nifty new tool for virtual reality artists, people who like to work in VR and do creative stuff. The Logitech VR Ink Stylus brings fine motor control for creating in virtual reality. Logitech is showing the tech off this week at the Augmented World Expo, the AR and Mixed Reality event that is in Santa Clara, California. Uh, Vadim Kogan, head of partnerships and business development for AR VR for Mixed Reality at Logitech, said at the conference, quote, most creators were trained in school and universities how to draw with a pencil and paper, he said. That's a very simple way of putting that. Anyway, and today you are able to do the same thing in VR. It's simple, natural, and an extension of your hand. Everybody knows how to write and how to hold it. Uh, that's the end of that quote. Right now, it only works with Steam VR tracking and the HTC Vive. Uh, Logitech will work with creative, creative soft, uh, creativity software companies to integrate the Logitech VR Inc. technology into their software so it can work with various 3D models and other stuff. It already integrates with Google Tilt Brush, a VR art program. But again, that will only work on the HTC Vive currently. Uh, One would expect Oculus hardware and the upcoming Valve Index to also support this device. Uh, You're an artist, Scott. Does this appeal to you? Uh, Very much so. So they mentioned Tilt Brush in here. It is an incredibly creative uh, experience. I especially like it in the new uh, Oculus Quest, given how sort of free and untethered you are, and you can sort of design your own inside-out sort of space to work in, and I think it just adds to the creativity to have less holding you down. Um, To bring a device into that world that is less of a claw machine controller, which those controllers are really cool. I'm not you know, talking smack about those or the Vive or anything else. They're all neat for what they do, but they're not really analogous to a real real world drawing implement so if we want to feel that way we got to introduce things that are a little bit more stylusy and what they're showing off here certainly looks like that so do you draw in the middle of the air though because i feel like that'd be hard you don't have anything to push against i know it seems strange yeah. but you and, and there's a little bit of like depth issues like some of your stuff's out a little further than the stuff you put behind it and you didn't really notice till you got around and looked at it um but the idea that some of this upcoming software could like flatten some of that stuff and make up for that is okay. Also, there's a uh, the chance of, uh, of, uh, I forgot the name of the word, uh, haptic feedback. That's what I meant. Mm-hmm. It will tell you kind of when you're going in or out of a space. Um, it's still kind of untested space. I also think sculpture has a lot of uh, potential with a pen device. So I think Logitech is looking at a very niche audience that will grow. And I'm personally excited about it. All right. Apple made a public post defending the App Store in the face of an EU antitrust investigation and the recent U.S. Supreme Court decision allowing app purchasers to file lawsuits against Apple over antitrust. Okay, so Apple says 60% of approximately 1,000... what what when 1000 apps reviewed each week are approved with rejections largely due to minor bugs or privacy concerns apple also lists the number of app store alternatives to its core apps in order to show that it is not stopping competition though it does not mention that none of the apps can be chosen as defaults Apple also points out that developers can distribute apps or other app stores, smart TVs, gaming consoles, 
and the open internet. Yeah, 60% of 100,000 apps doesn't seem like a, uh, a big success rate. They also put a big category up called readers. These are apps where users exclusively purchase and subscribe to content outside the app. Uh, that's not a benefit. That's a, that's a thing that people are trying to avoid Apple taking a cut of their money to do. I did not feel, and I don't know how y'all felt, but I did not feel like Apple did a great job defending stuff. Uh, no, but man, uh, do, you, do you ever think we'll enter a future, Tom, where uh, Apple has their stuff worked out to the point that nobody's trying to fight the App Store anymore? I feel like the App Store since day one has been this legal battleground and I don't know, various regions, our own uh, country and certainly in the EU where everybody's always saying, ah, Apple's unfair with the way they're doing a thing. And I feel like I'm, I don't know, it's, I'm weirdly tired of it. And I don't mean the story particularly, but just the overall feeling that Apple can never get it right in the app store space. Yeah. I think there's room to have a discussion about whether Apple's policies uh, go overboard. I, I think the one requiring you not to mention that you sell something somewhere else at all in your app, unless you'd let Apple take a cut overreaches. Uh, that said, Apple posted this to say this is our defense. So I think it's fair game to say, well, is it really? Is it really a good defense of yourself? Um, I'm, I'm not sure it achieved what they expected it to achieve. Yeah. Well, time time is always will tell with those guys. But uh, do we, I know this is a totally unrelated thing. I guess we don't know this, but as soon as they come out and are final with their arcade thing, I feel like uh, we're going to have a whole slew of new reasons why people are going to, be mad at them and they'll be bad at defending that so uh really looking forward to a new generation of app store hate coming up <laughs> amazon announced a smaller version of its echo show 5 or of its echo show called the echo show 5 it's a voice assistant with a 5.5 inch screen a camera with a shutter for privacy and a speaker for 90 bucks an optional magnetic stand so you can position that camera better sells for twenty dollars the new Echo Show 5 is available for pre-order, shipping to the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, Japan, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and the United States in June and coming to India in July. Amazon also announced a new feature that lets you tell your Amazon voice assistant, delete what I said today, and it'll clear out everything from the past day from its records. Uh, an additional command that says, delete what I just said to delete immediately after you said something is coming over the next month. You can do all these deletions in the app, but this is allowing you easier control over that by giving you more options. I want one. And I don't know why. I think I was talking to this, uh, the show this morning on TMS when you came by and and I had mentioned that and you said, well, what is it about it? And and you reminded me, well, hey, it's a smaller screen. So do you want to get your your old larger screen? Is, is that not important to you? And I realized, I guess it's not. I think I like a smaller, sleeker, um, updated device. And I think I'm going to replace the one I have. I also think the price is right. Like this is a much lower price than than the traditional uh, versions of the show have gone for. And I don't think screen size matter to me. I need it mainly for reference. It's like, look up and see what time it is. Quickly check, see what song's playing and what's that lyric I just heard. Whatever it is, those are all possible with this. It's still got the camera and the option to shut that off. Like this feels like the generation of show I would get if I didn't already have one. So I'm just on the fence as one who already owns, but it seems like a nice time for somebody to jump in and hopefully sound wise, it's still good. Cause that's a big concern for, uh, for folks with music and stuff like that. But it, yeah, I mean, Amazon has a way of making me want all their dumb echoes and I don't know why. Well, 
and and it, you know, all of that said, the the fact that Amazon's like, hey, we'll let you also like delete all of your, you know, everything that you've said to the Echo, you know, to this point, is, I mean, it kind of makes me laugh a little bit, but at the same time, like it it is. Th- that is actually a, a problem that people have. Yeah, and so making it easier for people uh, yeah. to access that uh, is is definitely a play to people's fears who are like, I don't want one of these things in my house because it'll log everything. Well, this is trying to help people feel better about that. I well, guess. two two points of 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 trying to do that. There's that, and then there's this camera switch. And I have friends. Oh, right. I the shutter on the small one. Yeah. Yeah, and I have friends who still won't believe that'll do anything. I have friends who think that if you put tape over that hole, then you're doing it wrong. But hmm. I think this is a nice step in the right direction. I would appreciate it. I don't like that it's looking at me all the time, to be honest. And I trust these things, so it'll all work out in the end. In a blog post about new PCs announced at Computex, Microsoft's Nick Parker describes something called modem. Sorry, modern OS that seems to be distinct from Windows 10. This modern OS includes seamless updates done in the background with no interruptions, is secure by default. It's a short definition of security. Anyway, separating compute from applications is always connected, long battery life, powered by by AI, uh, with multiple inputs like pen, voice, and gaze awareness and awareness of multiple form factors. Very similar to Chrome OS. Parker says Microsoft is investing in this vision of a modern OS. That's pretty interesting. I, I don't necessarily... Uh, see this is like, hey, this is the new version of Windows, everybody. Back up, because Microsoft's got a thin client coming. That's your new wor- version of Windows. More likely, this is you know, nice embedded software for lots of devices and uh, applications outside of your desktop. And seems cool. That said, okay, I mean, if Windows 10 is not, you know, like, why is this different than Windows 10? Why does the company want this to be distinct from Windows 10? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, There's been a lot of rumors about a Windows Lite to compete with Chrome OS. Uh, And remember when they tried to make Windows 10 S uh, available as sort of a Chrome OS competitor, but you could still run yeah. full Windows 10. And so everybody just immediately turned it into full Windows 10. I think this is meant for those those lower cost computers to say, this is for when you want a Chrome OS-like experience, we're going to have a modern OS that doesn't have the baggage of Windows 10 for people who don't mean, need Windows 10. It's, it sounds like they're they're taking very small steps towards what they were trying to achieve with Windows 10 S, by creating something that doesn't have the baggage of Windows 10 S because it doesn't have Windows 10 in it. Maybe even closer to something like Windows RT, which was even a thinner client, a more iOS-styled approach to tablets. Um, this is maybe even closer to that, certainly closer to Chrome OS. I've got a I Windows like- RT device right here. Of course you do. It's You've not charged. That yeah. tells you a lot about Windows RT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, it, but I, I, you know, why not? Thinner clients more devices this seems like a smart uh smart thing to do everybody's got their little secondary os why not microsoft let's go yeah and when we talk about the laptops in a second think about this modern os is maybe running on some of those might make some more sense Mm. car tech maker automatic announced it is ending support for its first and second generation odb2 adapters uh often called the classic or legacy and the silver adapters and disabling their companion apps After August 31st, the second gen model came out four years ago. Uh, The other one came out six years ago. 
The company encourages the owners of these older models to buy its new $100 LTE adapter, which comes with an optional $5 a month subscription. Uh, They're also sending some discount codes, so it wouldn't cost you totally $100. But it's one thing to say, hey, we're no no longer going to support this older piece of equipment. Happens all the time. Uh, People with uh, phones, both Android and iOS, know this situation. Your phone doesn't stop working. You just, you know, may have bugs happen more often along the way. This is different. Uh, And I did some digging to try to figure out why they would shut down an app instead of let you just keep using it. It's because there's no local storage. Your data, from what I can tell, is all stored in the cloud and it doesn't seem like it's stored locally because all of their instructions on how to manage your data collected by this uh, are in the cloud. And if you don't know what Automatic does, it collects like the miles per hour you drive, your location, tries to estimate fuel consumption. A lot of people like to use it for that. It can also read the diagnostic codes uh, that your car maintenance professional might read. Some people like to see that too. It can do a bunch of other things and you want to store that data. Well, not only are they storing it in the cloud, but they're also selling it to third parties. Uh, and the only way to opt out of it being sold to third parties is to email them support at automatic.com. All that goes back to the fact that they are shutting down this app and turning two versions of their previous uh, products into unusable products because they want to sell information to third parties. Uh, otherwise, they could have spent the money to make your information available locally in these apps. Uh, I guess there's an argument to say they didn't want to spend the money on that either, but because they have a cloud system, they can sell data to third parties, which is a revenue stream for them. So in other words, your use of this without that monetization option isn't worth it for automatic. Hmm. A pre-show Roger had floated the whole uh, planned obsolescence uh, phrase. Do you hold? Do you think that holds any water here or I anything? Think, I think that's. I think people over overuse that. I, I don't generally think most companies sit there and plan to make something obsolete um, because they know about the backlash. It's just not a good business plan. I think what happens is companies don't mind if something goes obsolete, or as in this case, they feel like they have to make it obsolete because of another business model, not because they just want to sell more devices. It's because of that revenue stream. Otherwise, they wouldn't risk the backlash that they are absolutely getting for making these older versions useless after August 31st. Mm. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. All right, back on May 14th, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Lenovo's foldable Windows PC. That was a 13.3-inch 4x3 2K OLED display that kind of folded in half. It was billed as a laptop. I kind of felt like it was more of a tablet that folded in half. That same day, HP launched a 15-inch dual-screen gaming laptop. That had a secondary 6-inch 1080p screen right above the keyboard, like on the same panel as the keyboard. The Omen X2S is available in June, starting at $2,100. Now, at Computex this week, Asus showed off the ZenBook Pro Duo with a 15-inch 16x9 OLED 4K panel and a half-height 32 by 9 IPS 4K screen pad plus that is sitting right above the keys on your keyboard can be used as a control panel if you want, although it also has a trackpad or it's more often going to be used as a secondary display. It can even be turned into two 16 by 9 1080p windows. Uh, That's expected in Q3 with no price. But to top that, 
Intel showed off a reference design. Now, Intel doesn't make hardware or doesn't make finished products. They make parts. But a lot of times they'll make these reference designs to show how their parts could be used. Intel showed off a reference design dual screen gaming laptop called Honeycomb Glacier with a 15.6 inch primary screen and a 12.3 inch half vertical screen. This one doesn't sit on your keyboard, though. It pulls up on a hinge above your keyboard. So you're looking at your main screen and you just tilt down a little bit to see the secondary screen and your keyboard's still lying flat. The Asus one, the second screen is lying flat. And I think the HP one as well. So this machine opens like a laptop, tilts up to open that secondary screen, and then you put it at whatever angle you want and it sticks there because it has a one-way hinge. And when you're ready to close it, you push a little release button and it releases the hinge and you can fold it back up. Uh, so they suggest, yeah, you, know, you can put your Slack chat there, your Twitter chat, etc. But the big thing is a Toby eye tracker that sits in the hinge at about eye level and can tell when you're looking at the second screen to give it focus. So without having to use your mouse, you look at the second screen, type your Twitter respond, go back to the main screen, and your controls are using the main screen again, just by I knowing where you're looking. I know, I right? Love, I love this. Yeah. Yeah. If it works well, uh, oh my God. And this that's the thing. These what are all- we, what, what we've always wanted. These This concept is made with off-the-shelf parts. So a lot of the people who tested at Computex said, Meh, it works most of the time, uh, but yeah. maybe it would work all of the time if it was made by a manufacturer. A couple other things here, also from Intel, Twin River, a uh, dual screen tablet made of fabric, uh, two, two 12.3 inch, nineteen twenty by twelve eighty touchscreens. Uh, HP has a wood inlay on the palm rest in its Envy Wood series of laptops, and Dell said it's working on a dual screen laptop. So lots of different attempts to capture our imagination with laptops here, mostly revolving around using a second screen. Yeah, these are neat. Um, I'm. They showed some handwriting stuff, which made me my brain immediately go, "Ooh, I could draw on this. Maybe, maybe this is a new uh, art tool for people potentially." Way too early to tell. Like he said, it's also a prototype without any, you know, manufacturers taking their direct idea and running with it yet. Um, but I love this kind of stuff, and I also like it more than I like the foldable uh, designs. Um, and I don't know why that is. The foldable designs just make me nervous. They make me feel like I'm bending something that shouldn't be bent. <laughs> and I'll go over that eventually when there's something awesome that doesn't break when you bend it. But for now, like from a product productivity angle, the idea of having that secondary screen and it being a touch screen, I think is a way to embarrass a MacBook Pro. No offense, MacBook Pro, but your cool little control strip there. You're basically saying, take that and blow Micro it up. Micro Pros have screen. lots of problems. So. Yeah, it's, got, <laughs> it's not great, right? It's not a perfect... Yeah. Perfect solution, but a big control panel size second screen for while you're editing, even if it's just secondary stuff like I'm watching old episodes of Cheers, have it play down there and have that going on up there. And like that, this is a this is a very cool design. And I'm a little bummed that it's not Intel also coming up going, and we're making hardware. And here's our first attempt because I like this design a lot. I think it's neat. Lenovo and Intel have combined on a few things uh, that have turned into yoga. Um, models. Uh, so not all of them have even come out from Lenovo, but uh, yeah, maybe Lenovo gets on board with this. Uh, maybe that's what Dell's working on. Maybe Dell's gonna gonna use this hinge. It feels like uh, the Toby eye tracking, the hinge, and just the the processor being able to hand off uh, between the multiple screens is is kind of what Intel's pushing here. And they could put it in whatever form factor it wants. But this is all doable right now. A lot of times, Intel prototypes, you're like, man, could they really manufacture that at scale? And this one feels like it could. 
I mean, uh, do you like the idea of a second screen, Sarah, for things like, you know, when you're editing? Yeah, actually, I do. Um, you know, it's funny. We, we've, we've kind of like, we've been talking about this whole like, uh, you know, hybrid, two-in-one, whatever, you know, for a couple of years now. And some of the, uh, the, the models, I'm like, eh, would, wouldn't help me. But when it comes to something like editing, you really do need um, your second screen. You do. Um, and I mean, you, you, you can, you can live without it, but um, it, 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 it actually would be super helpful. Um, I think for, know. for a lot of the creative professions like art, yeah, uh, anything where, where two screens works in a, in a desktop setting uh, could potentially pay off from this. I think a lot of times it get pushed as gaming. This, this honeycomb glacier is pushed as gaming because that's a situation where you want to have a full screen of whatever you're doing in the game, but you also want to have your stats uh, or your buttons or your chat uh, available in an easily glanceable thing. And that's, I'm like you, Sarah, that Toby eye tracking, if they they can make that work reliably, I want that to work not just on screens. I want to be able to just look at a window and have my computer know, oh, he's looking at Slack right now. He's not looking at his spreadsheet. So when he types, because I've done this before, I start typing. I'm like, oh, wait, the focus is still on my spreadsheet. Yeah. All day. Yeah, yeah. That'd be really cool. I also um, shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't talk out of my own uh, wheelhouse here a little bit, but I'll bet you've got listeners who are programmers. That's what you call it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. If you've got coders, coders and programmers out there who could respond to this, I'll bet this is good for them because secondary screens are a yeah. huge thing for coders, uh, not only because they're Very testing in real time, but yeah. sometimes they've got two sets of code running at the same time. And one guy in the Discord saying remoting into two systems, mm-hmm. into two screens. Yeah. Yeah. There and you go. on the go, I mean, they're already doing this in a desktop environment. So why not have something that's, you know, this usable on the go? I think it sounds great. Yeah, I, I just, I, you know, there's, there's a few stories here today that are like, oh, uh, laptops are coming back because these are useful form factors. I, I think tech journalists are just uh, stunned that they're being shown a demonstration that they don't immediately roll their eyes at and go, why would anyone want that? The, the Twin Rivers, for instance, with the, the, the cloth on the outside that makes it look like a book. <laughs> I, that one is more what I expect at Computex. Like, okay, maybe people want that. I don't know. But this, this Intel one particularly, uh, does seem to be useful and, and implemented in a way that's useful. And it's not just everyone jumping on the trend because they all can get the part to make the second screen, which is what I feel like is going on with foldable. Somebody made a foldable screen and they're like, great, let's fold things. What can we fold? And everybody's like, I don't know if I need folding or not. Uh, But they're like, but we developed foldable screens. Whereas this feels like, well, second screens have been around for a long time. I guess processors are just getting to the point where they can handle them well. But that's something that people have wanted for a long time, too. So I feel like there's a lot more promise here because of that. Yeah, and I also I'm I'll echo that idea that if you want to have it's okay to have half steps during you know iteration of technology. I'm okay with it because I think that stuff's important and it leads to bigger discoveries. And so I'm okay with the weird stuff that never makes it to market or the stuff that makes it to market and doesn't succeed because a lot of times it informs something else that comes later and we get better at it. To me, foldable screens are in that category. Um, and, and lots of other stuff, but this in particular, it looks like I could use it now. Like it looks like a useful innovation that takes advantage of lots of little small innovations over time 
that's actually something I could get some major use out of. Like there's practical application out of the door for what they're showing. So I am very on the on the edge or on the on the edge of waiting to see what happens, especially from somebody like Dell who So you're not waiting to see what happens. You're just on the edge. I'm just on the edge. I'm sitting on the edge looking down. Start waiting to see what happens, folks. Stick around. (laughs) Speaking of being on the edge, everybody in our subreddit Always on the edge. We love you for it. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. Okay. So we got um, we, we got an email, um, uh, w- which was, I think, in reference to yesterday's show. Mm-hmm. Um, said, y'all were talking about Apple refreshing the iPad Touch. And believe me, I there's a major market for the Touch, which might not be obvious. I happen to be in the market, so I know. Many of the largest retailers use iPod Touches as a mobile cash register, including the Apple Store. There are many mobile credit card uh, sleds that attach onto the iPod to take the credit card. Apple has not refreshed this in many years, and a lot of people are probably considering going to Android support OS updates, patches, etc. as Apple has not come out with a new model since 2015. Oh, has it been that long? That's crazy. Yeah. Kind of has. Yeah. That's we a got a, a lot of emails from people who uh, said that they use these in retail. Uh, Petey says he works at a well-known football state university, and they give iPod touches to the maintenance and housekeeping crews. Bruce is working on client engagement in a warehouse transportation environment. Uh, their drivers all have iPhones for use on the road. Brandon was in a Dollar General last week, and they were still using Lumia phones for checking inventory. He's like, maybe they could use iPod touches to upgrade that. Uh, there are people in hospitals, yeah. uh, liquor store chains. Someone who works there is, is looking to upgrade the iPod touches they use there. So point of sale warehouse management seems to be a really big use of the iPod touch. Mm-hmm. And then Bart wrote in because I was talking about Sony's proprietary 60 mile range Internet of Thing uh, connectivity system. And I said, there's got to be an open source version of this. Thank you, Bart. Bart to the rescue. He says there is an open technology for wide area IoT devices called LoRaWAN, L-O-R-A, and then WAN, like wide area network. There is an open source community network to help with interconnecting these devices. LoRa devices are very low bandwidth, just a few bytes per second with some rate limits in the protocol. It is good for info like temperature, whether a door is opened or closed. IoT kind of things. Generally, these devices have five to seven kilometer distance, but your mileage will vary depending on environment and antenna. And there is a guy who went over a hundred kilometers with a LoRa device. You can find out more about it at LoRa-Alliance.org. That's LoRa-Alliance.org. Thanks to everybody who writes in. And also thanks to Scott Johnson for being with us today, Scott. Let folks know where they can keep up with all of your wonderful work. Well, June's coming, you guys. I don't know if you can smell it, but I can. June's right <laughs> around the corner. And as a result, uh, myself and Patrick Beja, another DTNSer, get together once a month and we record the MVGB show. That's the monthly video game briefing. And that's going to be happening next week. And there is tons to talk about. Why? E3 is literally two weeks away. And there's tons of gaming stuff happening right now uh, in the newsosphere. And also stuff for just people who may not just be so many games, but maybe they're into the tech around games or the business around games. That's what that shows for. So check it out. That's at frogpants.com slash MVGB. 
and uh, all the old episodes are there and we got a new one coming up so watch for that i'm also at scott johnson on twitter so come yell at me yeah do it also uh with june right around the corner we're near the point where we have to determine if we met our goal this month of one more patron than last month you could be that person that puts us over the top become a dtns member and get an ad free rss feed special episodes from myself on how we do the show how we think about the show special episodes looking back on tech news of the past and more hi this is janice torres from yo quiero dinero from a local business to a global corporation Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Sign up at patreon.com slash DTNS. If you have feedback for us, well, we have an email address. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is where to send those. We're live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more. Tell a friend at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Nicole Lee as our guest. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.